ahead and get into today's message. I am, uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be really helpful for us. So let's go ahead and get our hearts right, get our minds right, and go ahead and step into what God has for us today. Sound good? All right, let's go ahead and do this. So um, we are now in week five of our series called Knowing God. And what we've been doing up to this point over the last few weeks is really just trying to get to know God, right? That's really what we have been trying to, to, to dig after. And, and we want to have a genuine and real relationship with him. We want to see him like we never have before and, and be as diligent as we can in that pursuit. And in fact, um, we've been having weekly uh, prayer nights and, and, and weekly fasting. We've been doing communion after each message. Like we're doing everything we can just to get to know God, right? This is our heart's desire, and we want to be serious about it. And so at this point, we are now um, just past the halfway point of this series. And so I don't want us to, to throttle down at all. I want us to keep going. I want us to keep being passionate about getting to know him. And so we're going to do that today. Up to this point in this series, just as a, a quick refresher, um, we have been talking about some really interesting topics that I would say fall more within the category of, of God's being, okay? And what I mean when I say that is um, we've, we've talked about how God is spirit, right? This is what scripture tells us. So what does that mean? What, what does that uh, apply to our lives, right? We've talked about how he's all-knowing, how he's all-powerful, how he's infinitely wise. We've talked a lot about these like high-reaching things that show us how big and how great our God is, right? Like these things we can't even begin to comprehend. And this is an important first step for us to take in our relationship with him. The, the first thing that we really need to understand is, is how big and how great he is. And so that's what we've been getting into up to this point. But as we move forward, we're going to kind of shift into a different section of this series, and we're going to begin to discuss what I would call more of God's um, moral attributes, all right? His moral attributes. Now, when I say this, what I really mean is that these things are really going to begin to show us um, God's motives, like like his intentions, the things that he desires and, and he values, the things that he's about, these really illuminating things that allow us to see him for who he truly is, but also that allow us to reflect him for who he truly is. And so I alluded to this last week, but really we're going to turn a corner in this series and we're going to start to talk about the things of God that you and I need to reflect as his people. These are the things that you and I need to apply to our everyday lives if we're truly going to be like him. And this is a really important aspect of this knowing God endeavor, that we would be like him as his people. This is very, very important. Now, in doing this, um, I, I just want to, to warn you guys. I always like to, to set the right expectations. In doing this, as we dig in, we're going to have to have some really um, some really honest and raw conversations with one another, okay? Uh, I'm just warning you now, I hope that you appreciate the concept of tough love because I think we're gonna experience this today and over the next few weeks. And the reason that this is, is because when we start talking about the ways that we should be more like God, this really opens up the ways that we're falling short. 
okay? It's just the, the way that it is. It opens up to us the areas where, where we aren't measuring up. And sometimes we need to open our eyes to just how much we're missing the mark. Because the one thing that we can't do as God's people is misrepresent him. That's the one thing we cannot do. We cannot misrepresent who he is to other people. So we have to be serious about truly being like him, okay? And so that's what we want to begin to dig into today. Now, when it comes to God's moral attributes, um, we're going to go to a scripture in Romans chapter 11 that I think gives us a nice um, guide here on the things that we're going to begin to unpack today and over the next few weeks. Now, this is a really simple scripture. Like if you read this during your Bible reading, you probably wouldn't even think anything of it, wouldn't even give it a second thought, but it really does show us some interesting things about who God is. So this is the Apostle Paul. We talk about him a lot. He is writing to the Roman church, and this is the, the simple but profound thing that he tells them in verse 22. He says, I want you to consider the goodness and the severity of God. I want, you, I want you to consider, I want you to be aware of, I want you to think about the goodness and the severity of God. This is what I want you to do as his people, okay? And so this is what we're going to do, all right? Over the next three weeks, we're going to consider, we're going to think about, we're going to be aware of the goodness and severity of God. What do these things look like? How do they bear themselves out? And ultimately, again, how do we rightly reflect them as his children? This is what we want to do, okay? And so here's how we're going to begin to attack this today. I want to really just start by, by scratching the surface on this concept of God. God's goodness, okay? I just want to scratch the surface because as you can imagine, there's plenty that we could get into around this subject, but I just want us to begin to understand the depth and the beauty of this in a really clear and personal way, okay? This is really important. Like, I want us to, to see God's goodness more clearly and more evidently than ever before. I want us to see it but I also want us to understand just how personal and impactful this is for us as well. In our relationship with him, this is very important for us to understand. And so what I want to do today, I want to start by just talking about God's goodness in, in some very general terms, okay? Like a kind of a, a high-level principle of this concept. We certainly see specific ways that this comes about, and we'll talk about that. But let's start with like the baseline version of this concept. If we're going to start, where exactly would we do that? And so I think this is where we should start, all right? This is a really simple but honestly profound principle when it comes to God's goodness that we need to be aware of. And that is the first thing we have to understand is that God himself, okay, God himself is the very standard of good. God is the ultimate standard of good. He, he is the measure. So everything that he is and everything that he does is objectively good, okay? That's, that's the truth, all right? Now, when I say objectively, really what I'm trying to say is you and I don't get to decide what is, what is good or not. That's not a decision that you and I get to make. What God says is good is good. 
What God says is worthy of approval is worthy of approval. So when we say that everything he is and everything he does is good, that's a fact, okay? He is the measure. He is the standard. So anything that you and I would say is good would only be true if God has made it good or if God has said that it is good. He is the standard, okay? Now listen, this is where I think this should initially take us in our understanding of this, okay? So follow me here. This is really important. This means, listen, that when we say that God is good, like when when those words come out of our mouths, or, or maybe if we sing a song about how God is good and, and we proclaim those things, listen to me, that should not be some sort of half-hearted, good intention thought that runs through our heart and mind. That should not be the case. It's not like me saying, man, you're such a good person, right? You got, you got so many good qualities. You, you have such a, a good heart. That's nice. That's, that's sweet and all. But when we say that God is good, what we're saying is that everything he is, the very foundation of his being is good. This is what we're talking about. And this is why Jesus says this in Luke chapter 18, verse 19. He says, no one is good except God alone. No, no one is good except him. In other words, um, he himself encompasses this entire idea. And scripture is very clear about that. I mean, go, go read through the book of Psalms. You will see over and over things like this. For you, O Lord, are good. It says, thanks be to God, for he is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Meaning this is the very identity of our God. This is who he is. At his core, he is good. Now, now we can't just stop there, though, because it's not just who he is. It's also what he does. Everything that God does is objectively good. This is an amazing truth that we see in Scripture. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, For everything created by God is good. Everything, everything that he creates is good. In James chapter 1, we see that every good thing, every single good thing comes from the Father above. In Romans chapter 12, the very will of God, like his design, his purpose, his, his will for us is good. Everything that God is and everything that God does is objectively good. This is who he is. Okay. Now, with this understanding and with this kind of laid out as our foundation, I want to turn the corner a little bit into some specific ways that this comes about, okay? Because I I think we have to understand if he is the standard of good, and in fact, everything he does is good, well, how exactly can we see that? How can we be grateful for that? And then how can we reflect that, okay? And so that's what I want to get into for the rest of our time today. So I want to to get into one um, one of the first attributes of God that really begins to bring about his true goodness, all right? In fact, I would say This is maybe the most underrated attribute of God when it comes to his goodness. I don't think this gets enough credit. And this is what I want to talk to you about today, and that is the mercy of God. The mercy of God. This is this just a beautiful concept that brings to light just how good he truly is is, okay? Now, I I know that we've all heard this word before, and so we have a general understanding of what this means, but I think we need to define this 
um, as it relates to God and as it relates to our relationship with him, right? We really need to understand how we can connect with this concept. And so um, I want to define God's mercy this way. We're going to put it up on the board so you can write it down or take a picture. But this is how we're going to define his mercy. His mercy is his goodness toward those who are in distress. Okay, this is his mercy. So I want to say this again, and I want you to just really think about this, really like apply it to yourself personally. God's mercy is his goodness toward those who are in distress. So when this whole concept of God's goodness, when, when this comes to light while we're going through struggles and, and while we're in trouble in life, when his goodness comes about, it's his mercy that's showing up for us. Like when we have no other way out, when we don't know which way to turn, it's his mercy that shows up for us. This is the quality uh, that this God represents. He is merciful, okay? And so this is what we have to understand about this. The primary reason that we would call this quality good is first and foremost because you and I don't deserve that from him. Do, do we deserve his mercy? We don't deserve that. Have we ever done anything that would earn that type of response from God? Absolutely not. We've, we've never earned that type of goodness from him. And in fact, if we're being honest, what we really deserve is like more pain, right? What we really deserve is, is, is more heartache. That's what we've earned for ourselves. And yet, despite the fact that that's what we've earned, it's his mercy that shows up. It's his goodness that prevails in our lives. I want to read to you uh, James chapter 2, verse 13. In fact, um, the entire chapter 2 of James is, is so beautiful around this concept. I would encourage you to write it down and go read it later, but so much wisdom in there. But this is what verse 13 has to say. For he who has shown no mercy will have judgment without mercy, for mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, the first part of this scripture, I, I'm going to need you to hold on to this for a little bit later. But the, the part that I really want you to understand here, it says that mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Sure, God could stand over you and, and he could constantly judge you for your bad decisions and, and for your terrible choices. Right? I mean, he could stand over you and he could berate you for your mistakes and the terrible things that you've done. He could do that. And in fact, that's what we deserve, right? But instead, what happens is his mercy triumphs over judgment. His mercy is greater. And this concept, listen, shows up in every area of our lives. Like we have to be aware of this. His mercy triumphs in our relationships, his mercy triumphs in our finances, right? We deserve judgment. What we receive is mercy. And this is certainly true when it comes to our salvation, right? I mean, when we came to know Jesus, were we not in distress? Like, did we not have this deep, terrible sin and shame? And yet while we were sinners with, with no way out, with nowhere to go through his mercy, Christ died for us. That's how important this concept is. Watch what Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says. It says, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. According to His mercy, you and I have been saved. This is what we can attribute this to. His mercy is what has spared us. His mercy is what has, has pulled us up and redeemed us. But there's even better news believe it or not, with this concept. 
Because watch what we read about God in Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 22. This is so amazing. As we begin to understand what his mercy means and, and what it represents, watch what this says. It says, his mercies never come to an end, for they are new every morning. His mercies, they never come to an end. They are brand new every morning. This is an amazing truth. And do you know what that means for you? Do you understand what that means? That means if you think that you've made too many mistakes to have a relationship with God, you're wrong. That, that means you think you've dug yourself too deep and there's no way out. You're wrong. His mercies are new every morning and they will never run out. This is something that should draw us closer to him every single day. You want to know why we want to run to him and get to know him? It's because his mercy is what draws us in as his children. This is the God that we serve. He is full of mercy, okay? Now, as I promised, this is the point that we're going to have to, to shift a little bit and, and really start to dig into exactly how this truly applies to us, okay? Because as we begin to understand his mercy and how this plays out and how it impacts our relationship, we also have to understand how we can accurately and effectively reflect this aspect of God. Okay, this is, this is what we have to spend some time talking about. How exactly can we reflect this aspect of who he is? Scripture tells us that we are to be imitators of God, right? That we are being conformed to the image of the Son. And if that is so, we have to be serious about ensuring that this plays out in our hearts and in our lives. And I think this is a perfect place to start today. I really do. If we're going to be serious about imitating our God, I think his mercy is the perfect concept to start with. And so I need you to lean into this, okay? I need you to focus in on this because this is something that we need to hear and understand today, okay? So let's start with this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. This is what Jesus says about this concept. He says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you want to receive mercy in your life, then you need to show it towards other people. This needs to be something that you reflect towards others. In fact, Jesus commands this in Luke chapter 6. This is a command from our Lord and Savior. Watch what he says. He says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. You need to be merciful. This beautiful concept that, that we're talking about today is something that should be on display in our lives. We should be a people who are marked by mercy. This is who we should be, okay? Now, now listen to me, because far too often we do this. Don't let that go in one ear and out the other, okay? Don't, don't let that happen. I want you to really hear this, and I want you to think about this in a personal way. Like, how has this personally impacted and affected you, affected you? When you were in distress, when you had nowhere else to turn, when you could go nowhere else, what did God do? He showed you mercy. And so when I say that we should be a people who are marked by mercy, this is what I'm talking about. When people around you are suffering, when people around you are in trouble and they don't see a way out, we are to show them mercy. We are to show them goodness in the midst of their distress. We are to be merciful just as our heavenly father is merciful. This is who we have to be. This is how we accurately 
reflect him, okay? Now, here's the problem with this concept for us, okay? Let's just get right to it today. Here, here is the problem. The problem is you and I deeply struggle with a little thing called selfishness. You and I deeply struggle with this issue. And far too often, this is exactly what blocks us from displaying the mercy that we should towards other people. This is the problem that we see in our lives, okay? So let me kind of bring a little bit of color to this concept so you can see what I'm driving at here, okay? Let me, let me just put it this way so maybe I can bring it home for you. Do you have any idea how many desperate needs there are around you on a daily basis? Do you have any idea? Do, do you have a clue how many needy people you drive by on a weekly basis? Do you have any idea how many hurting people you work with every single day of your life? Do you have any idea how many heartbroken people are sitting amongst you today? Do you have any idea? Be, because see, honestly, even the most merciful of us often miss out on the vast majority of the needs around us. Even the most merciful do this. And why is that? Because we're selfish. We're worried about our needs, right? We're worried about our pain and what, what we're going through. We don't have time to deal with somebody else. It's like a sickness that plagues every one of us. I'm serious. It's like a, a, a sickness. And the problem is, as long as you're gazing at your own problems and you're gazing at your own issues, you don't have the capacity to gaze at others. And it's a problem. It's, it's an issue. Again, is this how God treats you? D does he ignore your needs because he's got better things going on? Absolutely not. So why do we do this to other people? We, we have to put our selfishness down and pick his mercy up if we're truly going to be like him. This has to be the people that we are. This has to be the people we are. Now, here's the other big issue with this concept, okay? And I wanna just spend a few minutes um, talking directly to the, the church folk in the room, okay? Like, like if you call this place your home, if you would say that you are a part of the family of God, let's have some honest conversations right now about this concept, okay? Let's, let's be real about this. Listen, do you know how easy it is for us as the church, as the people of God, do you know how easy it is for us to become so blind to the mercy that we've received that we actually begin questioning if others deserve the same? Do you know how quickly we can become so egotistical that we don't even remember that the people around us absolutely deserve the same mercy that we've received? Do you know how quickly and how easily this can happen in our hearts? If you are not very careful about this through your spiritual journey, what you're gonna end up doing is you're gonna end up putting yourself like on this spiritual pedestal where, where you think that you're better than other people despite the fact that they're in need of the same mercy with which you've been given. This happens so easily. I'm telling you, it's one of the easiest and honestly one of the sickest diseases that we see in the spiritual realm. I'm not kidding. And if you think I'm wrong, I would encourage you to go read what Jesus had to fight against most during his ministry on earth. Because it wasn't, it wasn't people trying to take advantage of his mercy and grace. That wasn't the problem. What was the problem? It was the Pharisees. It was the religious elite acting like they were better than everyone, getting in the way of the true mission of Jesus Christ. That was the problem. Listen to me, far too quickly, we can go from trying to reflect God to trying to be God. I'm going to say that again. Far too quickly, we go from trying to reflect God to trying to be God. And if you are not careful about this, this will consume your heart, I promise you. 
Every one of us has to guard against this. Every one of us has to check our hearts constantly. Otherwise, we will forget about the mercy that we ourselves have received, and I promise you, it will become evident to the people around you. We have to reflect this in our lives. We have to reflect this. I was reading some material about this this past week, and I found a beautiful summary um, in a book called Gospel in Life by Tim Keller. And I, w- I just want to read this paragraph to you. And if you have to close your eyes to really focus in on this, I would encourage you to do that because there's some beautiful concepts that we have to be aware of. This is, this is what he says. He says, a merely religious person who believes that God will favor him because of his morality and his respectability will ordinarily have contempt for the outcast. I worked hard to get to where I am, and so can anyone else. That's the language of the moralist heart. I am only where I am by the sheer and unmerited mercy of God. That is the language of the Christian's heart. That's our language. Watch what he says. A sensitive social conscience and a life poured out in deeds of mercy to the needy is the inevitable sign of a person who has grasped the doctrine of God's grace. And this must be the heart of a true Christian. This must be our heart. So so let me put it a little bit more clearly in case you're not catching what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. When you walk around on like this fake moral pedestal that you've created for yourself and, and you start looking down on people and judging other people, what you are actually confirming for yourself is that you know nothing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, as you overlook the needs around you, And as you pass over the people who who really need your help because they've made mistakes just like you, what you're showing is that you don't understand nor have you realized the grace by which you've been afforded through Jesus Christ. Can I just be really honest about it? I am so tired of this type of attitude. I am so sick of this type of Christianity where people walk around like, like they're better than everybody. We put ourselves like on this high ground and look down on people as if we have some sort of advanced morality that that we can pat ourselves on the back with. Are you kidding me? You you know why it tires me out so much? It's because the truth of the matter is you don't have some sort of advanced morality. The truth of the matter is you've made the same stupid mistakes as everybody else around you. And if we're being real about it, you're still making the same stupid mistakes as everybody around you. That's the truth of the matter. And yet, because of his mercy, you can keep moving. You can keep going. You can have a relationship with him. And do we really not realize that the people around us going through the same exact things, they deserve that same level of mercy as well? I mean, how quickly we forget how messed up we are. How quickly we forget about this. You know, I was, I was watching something the other day. I don't even remember what it was, but I saw something pop up on the screen that, that captured my attention. It was, it was a simple question, but it really caught my eye. And this is what it asked. It said, has Christianity done more good or more harm for the world that we live in? Has Christianity, has it done more good or more harm for the world that we live in? And do you know that I actually had to stop and I actually had to like think for a few minutes about the truth to that question? Like I actually had to like reason through and ponder what, what would be the right answer to that question? Now, as I thought about it, I realized the overwhelming good that we're talking about and I could go through the reasons why. The bigger point is, do you know how sad it is that I even had to stop for a second to think about that? 
Do you understand how sad that is? We're talking about something that Christ literally put everything on the line for. We're, we're talking about Jesus Christ dying on a cross and, and, and being raised again so that you and I could be freely forgiven and forever set free. That's what we're talking about. And I had to think for a second about whether that's done more good or more harm for the world that we live in. Why? Because of us. Be, because of you and I. We, we are broken. We are so twisted that we take the best news that any one of us could hear and we turn it into this self-exalting, holier-than-thou message that pushes people away from God rather than draws them into God. This, this is what we do so often. Okay, so let's, let's get where we need to get. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and find a landing place here because I need you guys to respond to this appropriately. Okay, so, so let's get to it. Here is my heartfelt plea to you. And I mean that honestly. I, I mean this from, from a place of love. This is my plea to you. Would you just be honest about who you truly are? Like if what I'm saying today applies to you, like deep down you know it applies to you, would you just be honest about who you truly are? Because in case you're not aware, Scripture has already outed you. <laughs> scripture has already read your mail, and it says you are a sinner. You, you are lost, you are broken, you are distressed. And the only reason that you have hope is because of God's mercy. That's the reason why. And that's not something to be discouraged by. That's amazing news. I want you to rejoice in that. I want you to receive that. But you better realize that the people around you going through the same things as you, they deserve that same level of mercy as well. And by God, do not get in the way of that. They deserve that same mercy from him and from you as well. Let me, let me reread James chapter 2, verse 13, and maybe it'll hit you a little bit differently now that we've traveled a bit more down this road. Watch what it said. It said, for he who has shown no mercy will have judgment without mercy. You're going to get judgment without mercy if you're not able to show mercy to other people. That's, that's going to be the result of this. But, but what's the end of that scripture? But mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs. Like, that has to be our aim. That, that has to be our goal, that mercy would triumph over our sinful desires to judge people and look down at people. Mercy must triumph in our lives. So listen, listen, okay? If this is something that's not bearing itself out in your life, I need you to lean into this. If this isn't something, honestly, that is being produced in your life, there's one reason why, and that is because you're not abiding in the one who produces it. If this is a problem for you, it's because you're not abiding in Christ. Let me put it a little more bluntly. Do you know that there are exponentially more people in this world that call themselves Christians than there are actual Christians? What... what Honestly, what we've created for ourselves is a group of people who so desperately want to be revered and so desperately want to be thought highly of that they put down other people just to feel good about themselves rather than acknowledging their own sin and shame. So let me say this clearly. If you call yourself a Christ follower, if you would identify yourself as such, and yet you constantly judge and look down on the sin-laden. And you reject the poor and the needy. I think you are severely misled. My goodness, go read the Gospels. That's the exact opposite of what Jesus did. 
Listen to me, this, this fake veneer Christianity, it's a lie. It's a lie that in no way matches the tone or the truth of Scripture. The apostles didn't go around acting like they were better than everyone. The apostles didn't go around overlooking the real needs of the people because of their pride and their self-righteousness. We, we don't see that. And yet, so often in our world today, that's exactly what we see. And God help us, it's exactly what we do. It's time to be honest with ourselves. This applies to every single person under the sound of my voice. We are just as broken, we are just as messed up as anybody else around us. And if we would just be honest about it, <laughs> if we would just be truthful about it, we might just be able to receive God's mercy. We might just be able to walk freely in it because we know, you know what, I am messed up. <laughs> I try to hide it. I try to push it down so nobody sees it. The truth of the matter is I'm a sinner. But you know what? His mercy has overcome. His mercy will triumph. And so I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be dishonest about it. I don't have to be fake about it. His mercy triumphs. I want this to be the very heart of this church that mercy would triumph over judgment. Who are you to look down on anybody? Let mercy triumph. But there's one, there's one last thing that we need to be aware of here. Because I think some of you might be looking at me and you might be thinking to yourself, hey man, trust me, I am all too aware of my faults. Like, like, I am all too aware of my brokenness and my sin. I know the mistakes I've made. I know the people that I've hurt. Trust me, dude, you don't have to remind me. And listen, if that's you, I understand. I get it. But let me just encourage you this way. God is full of mercy. His mercies are new every morning. You're, you're not too far gone. You haven't missed out on it. His mercy is available to you, I promise. I know that all of us, we look back and we see just how broken our past is. I know that we look back and we're so ashamed of the things that we've done and the things that, that we've thought. But listen to me, His mercy triumphs. But you gotta trust Him. You gotta give it to him. You gotta stop hanging on to it and just allow his mercy to flow. Can you just close your eyes? Your hands receive.